All right, we are uh, we're here with um, episode forty-seven of the Auto Week podcast. The big four-seven, big the big milestone that we've all been looking forward to. Number forty-seven uh, feels good to be here uh, with my my pal, executive producer Wesley Wren. I never thought I'd reach forty-seven. We've got uh, you might not still. Uh, we got Mike <laughs> Mike Pryson. I didn't think you'd reach uh, pal status there, Wesley. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what that means. And we got Jimmy uh, over here, uh, also here. Hi. But most importantly, uh, we have a uh, a treat especial, as we say. Uh, we've got Al Pierce calling in. Al, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. How are y'all? Good. Where are you? Uh, where are we reaching you? In uh, well, I'm still in Virginia. I'm leaving tomorrow for Daytona. It is currently. 68 degrees and sunny where I am. It's the same here in Michigan. Yeah, same here. It's Yep, it's the same, uh, pretty much. We are trying trying to survive. Good, good. Uh, So you're headed down to Daytona uh, this week, tomorrow, you said? Yeah, I'll leave tomorrow, and I'll fix a couple of days, day and a half to get there, and I'll, I'll actually be at the racetrack Saturday morning when the sun comes up. Nice. I'm uh, thinking about coming down myself, maybe bringing the baby. What do you think? Um, if you can stand the weather, sure. Come on. <laughs> I think we'll be okay, yeah. Um, it's, it, it's, it's no place for sissies. That's true. That's right. <laughs> I've heard that. I've heard that about Daytona. It was uh, certainly, uh, we're, I hope we're expecting better weather than we had last time I was in Daytona uh, for the 24 got a little hairy there. I don't know if you caught that. Yeah, it rained a bit, didn't it? Yeah, you know that those NASCAR tracks don't um don't really um shed water that well. Shed water as well as as some of the other ones. It was uh yeah, little little scary. Um but anyway, what do, what do we have to look forward to uh for Daytona? What do we have to look forward to for the the upcoming season? Uh what are you excited about? Well, I'm, I'm not excited about much of anything until <laughs> I actually see cars on the racetrack. People always ask me, ooh, there's a new paint job on the 11 car. There's a new associate sponsor on a truck. There's a new secondary crew chief on an Xfinity car that may run half the year. That doesn't excite me at all. I'm sorry. I know it's big news for the people involved. I'm sure the newest assistant crew chief on a truck team, think it's the greatest thing in the world, but it just, you know, until they get out there and start competing, I don't get really excited. Um, I'm interested more than excited in a number of things, one of which is the new rule that says if you flunk tech inspection, you're disqualified. Yeah. Yep. Now, I'm, I am certain, I am positive that most of America who even has a passing nod toward NASCAR is telling themselves, what? They weren't doing that already? Right. You know, I mean, how, how, how can you have a guy win a couple of races like Kevin Harvick did last year and and be caught cheating in post-tech and yet nothing happened to him? You know, roughly speaking. Yeah. Um, I, again, I'm sure most Americans assumed that if you're illegal after a race, then you don't get to keep to win. Well, that's that's not the case. Um, Big Bill France Sr. decided way back, I guess, in the 50s or 60s, 
But fans who paid their money and sat there all day and saw Buck Baker win or Lee Petty win or whomever should not pick up the next morning's paper and see where somebody else won. So uh, Big Bill decreed at some point that if you leave the racetrack to winner, you will always be the winner no matter what. Now, we can penalize you. We can take money. We can take points. We can put you in a corner and make you face the wall for a day. But but you still get to keep the win on on your record. Um, and that's been that way forever. I mean, people won races for time immemorial, and, and they've kept those victories officially. They may get penalized, but they still got to keep them. Well, this year, NASCAR sort of got tired of this word encumbered. Remember a couple of years ago, Denny Hamlin won two races at Darlington on the same weekend, flunked tech inspection after both victories, and the wins were called encumbered, but they're still on his record as being victories. I think NASCAR kind of got tired of that, and they might have taken some heat from from people that said that's that's not very really, very cool. So this year, starting at Daytona, I presume with the with the clash or whatever they call that All Star races weekend, if you are are found cheating, significantly cheating, after the race, you don't. It's gone. You're gone. The second place guy moves up. So, presumably, presumably, if the second place guy is also found to be illegal, the third place guy comes up. So it'll be interesting to see uh, the over and under is probably three weekends. Wow. On, on, I'm just thinking because last year on the Western count on the Western swing, uh, Harvey got busted twice and got to keep them both. Um, so I'm thinking, you know, maybe certainly before the one third part of the year. Now, Al, certainly before round twelve, Al, somebody will get busted. Yeah, who do they now after a race? To, to, you know, they send back to a couple cars the R and D to get that ultimate test. Is it always the winner plus a couple randoms? Right. Well, they take the winner in second place, and then they take a random guy. Okay, just pull somebody out of a hat who ran better than he should have, uh, finished better than he might have ordinarily, uh, and they just check him as a backup. But the, the deal now is, Mike, they're saying now that the inspection process will begin at the racetrack immediately, and within two hours, we will have an answer, either thumbs up or thumbs down. So huh. they're, now, they're now saying that we will not make a decision or announcement. Once the car is clear and go home, they're okay. So one thing you mentioned you know, that I, I caught, that raised my eyebrows when you said uh, a car that's significantly cheating. So, uh, <laughs> right. well, yeah, I mean, if for, I mean, <laughs> the rule book is such that they can get you for almost anything, right? Um, and, and my argument was that I've got I've got two things, or two arguments, or two suggestions. First of all, to me, if a if a race car goes through Sunday morning tech. And you roll that car out onto the grid, and it runs 500 miles or 600 miles 
or 500 laps or whatever, and it comes in and something's wrong with the chassis or the sheet metal or the body's a little bit like a 30th of an inch off, that car was legal at 10 o'clock. It's still legal. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, if you if you take a car to a road course, and as these guys often do, they go over curbs, they go over bumps, they knock their cars around like crazy, and a body could shift just enough, yeah, just tiny bit, and not be not meet the the laser uh, inspection afterward. You kick him out when basically he, he was legal to start with and somehow he got knocked around during the event, mm-hmm. you can't take the win away from him there. So there, there's still a little bit of judgment call kind of leeway on the part of NASCAR to make those those decisions. Yeah. Which, but but as, as we've seen, people have hit the wall at Bristol coming for the checker flag, and their car's all skewed up, and they still win. Under the new system, they'll, they'll be disqualified. After huh. having done nothing wrong for 498 laps, and you get pushed into the wall coming for the checkered, he shouldn't take it away from you for that. Yeah, I mean, and I. My other, and my other point is this, very quickly. What if this happens at Homestead right. in in November? Right. And, and somebody wins, Chase Elliott wins, or one of their, Bubba Wallace wins, one of their favorites win, yeah. and they were a championship contender. And for two hours, Chase Elliott or Bubba Wallace or whomever is being celebrated as this year's series Whoa. champion. Whoa. And, all, yep. and all of a sudden, Shutter at 8 o'clock, they say, hold it, guys. We got the new winner coming in. <laughs> so, it's Jimmy Johnson. There you go. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're going to get him number eight and get him out of here. Yeah. So, oh, man. I mean. But I, it, it, it will call, I think it will cause problems. Oh, yeah. And I, I think, too, this introduces the possibility that that every crew chief and every team owner and every driver uh, – you know, the, the amount of gray area as far as, Hey, my car got bumped and it it came out of compliance or, Hey, uh, you know, why don't you check his car? I think, you know, like the, the amount of, um, after the race kind of argument and, and suspicion and question as to who really won is, you know, this may be, this may be an effort to, to quash some of that, but I think it actually, you know, creates some, some intrigue where there's, like you said, you know, there's, there's stuff that happens during the race. There's, um, there, you know, there's that leeway where it's like, well, did he significantly cheat or was this, you know, like, I don't know. To me, this seems in an effort to, to make things a little bit less complicated. It seems like you're making things an awful lot, potentially more complicated in in certain situations. Well, like I say, they, they, if, if they choose to, that could disqualify almost any car right. for almost any reason. Right. If, for, if for example, and I don't know that they ever check them anymore, but if, for example, your seatbelt is not installed absolutely by NASCAR specs, if, as Dale Earnhardt Sr. did, if, if you kind of do your seatbelt so that it feels better to you than it did by their book, yeah. technically speaking, you could lose a championship Right at Homestead, if they and they wouldn't, 
but if they wanted to, they could. So. Well, well, Al, they've got like tier one, tier two, and tier three infractions is kind of how it's always been. I mean, to me, this has got to be a chance now to let's, let's start ripping some pages out of the book and taking them out of the rules because our racing at NASCAR is so close now. We have so many races that are, you know, decided by tenths of seconds or less. Um, if a rule in the book right now is such that it doesn't it doesn't cause you to lose a race because of the infraction or they say well it didn't affect the race that those three inches or whatever rip it out of the book why is it mm-hmm. even in there well that yeah it, Ex- except for all the safety stuff that still needs to be required but again are you going to lose a championship because your belt is not secured correctly are fans going to buy that well, well why it, was no, your belt yeah, yeah. not secured so correctly? that's that's an interesting <laughs> well they just said some drivers made like more only 12 of the 13 straps you know you know the you know whatever for whatever reason i I think again this gets real interesting the first time you have a an event you know if chase this year doesn't have a win and uh and someone beats him and and Uh ends up getting disqualified (laughs) i mean these types of things chase finishes second in the last race of regular season and suddenly he's in the first time somebody one of the nascar favorite guys gets a benefit out of this then Oh my! Uh, oh yeah, boy! Bring out the pitchforks. We will have an interesting uh, post-race podcast. Uh, but Al, I, this seems like a knee-jerk reaction to the uh, Kevin Harvick incident from last year with the spoiler. How aggressive are these pre-race tech inspections? I mean, that spoiler was a quarter inch off the car and off location. Like, what are they just glancing over a spec sheet and saying they're okay, or are they actually looking at the cars? Well, they got the laser system, don't they, Al? Yeah. Yeah, they got they, they. I mean, in the fifty years I've been doing this, for fifty-one 50? years Whoa. now, they. Um, you know, it used to be in Texas inspection, they'd use a, 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 a ball a of string yeah. oh, and, okay. a, and a straight edge or something. They, I mean, it, you know, in the old days inspection was basically you got four wheels, an engine, a steering wheel, safety belts. Uh, yeah, you look pretty good. Go ahead. <laughs> It's it's gotten in recent years, it has gotten to where they use the the laser stuff. They had they had a big steel mechanical thing called the claw that they'd lower down on top of a car, and it you had to fit that template just incredibly close. They might give you a piece of paper's width difference if you couldn't slide. A piece of paper between the claw and the, and the hood of the fenders, uh, but it, it's now to the point where they think that they send every car on the grid. They think those cars are absolutely identically perfect from a tech perspective. Now, engine—that's a little bit different. Um, suspension, chassis—that might you know you the crew chief can deal with that. But the shell of the car, the body itself, they are so carefully measured nowadays. In theory, there is no aerodynamic advantage, in theory. But I guess it goes back to the Kevin Harvick incident from last year. It's like, if they... How how do you not catch that? How do you not catch that? I mean, it's a quarter inch. That's not insignificant. Um, I didn't remember it being that much, but you may be right. I I don't... Again, at some point in time... You sort of get, you kind of get immune to paying great close attention to some <laughs> of those spec details. Yeah. Um, not not that we don't pay attention, but I don't remember being that that radically wrong. I know there was a there were a couple of windshield issues on Harvick's car, uh, and the spoiler on one of them either 
either Fontana or Phoenix, one of those West Coast tours, I think the rear spoiler on his car was not installed absolutely as dictated. Yeah. Well, and they got him on. They got him on that. So. Well, but isn't that um, isn't that the need for an impound post race? Like, isn't that why you check in case you change something between yeah tech I, before and after, and thus why well, yeah, yeah, it, it you can be disqualified you, after you qualify on Saturday? Cars are impounded, or when you qualify on Friday, they're impounded for the weekend. Now, in other cases, um, when you qualify, you get to do a final happy hour run the next day. So you you could you could pass the Friday afternoon check and, and tinker with the car overnight and the next morning and run practice sessions and come back in and they'll look at the car again on Sunday morning. But I don't believe that that is nearly as detailed as it would have been Friday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, drivers lose time. They're not allowed to practice for 15 minutes because it took them three tries to go through the, the laser or whatever. So it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost a competitive game between crew chiefs and car chiefs and officials. Yeah. Well, and, and a lot of us are just waiting for the first big blow up. Yep. It could come at Daytona. Yeah. Well, one thing's for sure. I th- I think, uh, you know, NASCAR fans across the board have been saying, how can we make this more complicated and harder to understand uh, and harder to, to watch? So it looks like they're succeeding. Another, another good <laughs> stuff there. Um, we're we're getting a little bit short on time for this, this segment, but Al, obviously too early to tell uh, anything um, going to Daytona, but but is there is there a car or a team that um, that we should be watching especially close going into that weekend that that's peaked? Well, I interest? think in general the Chevrolet teams have got to be better. They have, they they have got to have gotten better over the winter. So basically, any frontline Chevrolet team, meaning Hendrick primarily, those guys should should be good. They're expected to be good. Um, Childress's Chevrolets are expected to be good. Um, Stuart Haas, you know, here they are with a brand new Mustang. All the Ford guys have got a brand new piece. I don't think the Ford guys would have objected too much late last year if Ford had said, you know, we're going to run one more year with (laughs) the Fusion. We're not sure. After what Chevrolet went through, I don't know that we want the Mustang to have that bad a, a, a learning curve, first-year experience. Um, so we don't know about the Fords. We have no clue. If this were last year and they were still running the Fusions, uh, I think they were a lock to win it again. Uh, Toyota has sort of stayed maybe level. I don't know that they've got any better. They haven't got any worse, I certainly would expect. So I, I think if you're looking for a long shot, I think it would be a Chevrolet team that did not do well last year, but learned over the winter and in testing what the what what the year old Camaro now is is able to do. Jimmy Johnson could be give him number eight and get him out of here. There you go. You know? <laughs> well, hey, if I could point out a couple real quick things here while we got you, Al. This race obviously is not indicative of who's going to win the championship. That just doesn't seem to happen. Well, I mean, did Austin Dillon win it? 
Yeah, Austin Dillon well, won the it, 500 it, it last used, year, but it, yeah, it used to happen a lot. Right. Or that that penny guy was winning. There you go. But it's been a while, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he sort of did it a time or two, but yeah, they, you know, neither Daytona race, neither Talladega race, neither road course, neither of, of the Martinsville or Bristol races. None of those races seem to to uh, give you any view for the the final four at Homestead. It's that great block of mile and a half and 1.3 mile tracks, maybe a two mile track in there somewhere. It's the great middle portion of the schedule where you generally see your champions. This last year was an obvious anomaly because Joey Logano didn't do anything until late in the year and then hit all the right buttons at, at Homestead. So, um, yeah, Daytona won't tell us a thing. Probably Atlanta, Las Vegas, and and uh, Fontana early in the spring will be the ones that kind of give us a feel. Well, not Jim, so much Phoenix. Well, Jimmy Johnson. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Al. J- Jimmy Johnson's the only two-time winner in the field this year. We have, you know, a lot of guys have won it that are in the field, but Jimmy's the only one that's won it twice. And the last back-to-back, we have to go back to Sterling Marlin. Uh, about 25 years ago, so. Wow, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I was going through that. I go, wow, I just I didn't realize that. But, uh, yeah, Sterling Marlin in 94-95 is the last back-to-back. And uh, since we lost Dale Jr. here a couple years ago, we just don't have a you know another two-time winner out there. So, um, you know, it's going to be wide open. And uh, the only thing I'll say is Austin Dillon's probably not going to win it because he won it last year. Other than that, this is wide open, and we'll see how the Fords do. I think that's, a, that's what a lot of people are going to be watching. Yeah, it'll be weird to see, you know, two-thirds of the field or, or two-thirds of the entries anyway uh, in sporty cars, you know, Fords and Camaros. That will yeah. be so strange to watch. Yeah, uh, kind of changes the character of the whole the whole thing. But um, almost makes it like, you know, Trans Am racing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think uh, we should probably move on to some other topics here. We're, uh, we're short on time today. So, uh, Al, we will let you go for now, uh, and okay. we will have you on again very soon. Always a pleasure. Uh, I always get some great feedback from listeners uh, when we have you, so you will be back. By, by the way, can I mention one thing? Yes. One type of second. I went out yesterday and bought myself a Honda Goldwing trike. Oh. Oh, hey, look at that. That's uh, that's good. That's a good development, Al. Because my my <laughs> wife has decreed that I will not do this year's Kyle Petty Charity Motorcycle Whoa, Ride. Oh, news yeah. Yeah. That's Seattle, breaking news. From Seattle to Key Largo <laughs> on two wheels. She what? said, you get a trike, I'll let you go for the 25th. So <laughs> I'm all excited about my new trike. It's Congratulations. Low mileage, beautiful, ready to go. Love those. Congratulations. And you get a check for that from us? I'm sorry, am I what? Did you get your check? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Good. All right, Al. Okay, guys. I will talk to you all later on. All Take right. Care. See ya. Thank Thanks, you. Al. Bye. Always great again to have Al on the podcast. Uh, probably will end up seeing him down in Daytona next weekend. Next weekend? Oh, yeah. Yeah, next weekend. Um, but before next weekend, there's something happening this weekend. There's one of our, our big series, one of the the uh, the series we, we pay attention to or close attention to anyway is beginning out at Pomona. We've got NHRA happening. Oh, yeah. Ooh, um, baby. And kind of a weird 
Season shaping up with some some kind of late news. Uh, oh, but yeah. Probably more notable at this point for who's not going to be there. Bingo. Um, but yeah, it, it's like I said, it um, it's kind of a kind of a weird one shaping up. What do we have going on here, Mike? Well, yeah, exactly, Roy. The, the the big news out of Pomona going into the weekend is who's not there, not who is there. Uh, we, we knew Tanner Gray wasn't going to be there. He's the defending pro stock champion. And he uh, announced his he announced effective his, retirement last year. Yeah, or at least that he was taking a sabbatical from the NHRA to go try uh, NASCAR. And, I mean, he was still bumping around trying to find a NASCAR can and ride last we heard, and I think he's going to be in some races before the summer's over. But we knew he wasn't going to be there. Now, since we've last – you know, podcasted. Uh, Courtney Force has retired. Uh, she's done. Ripe old age of 30? 30, yeah. yeah. And she's done. Uh, and uh, John Force asked her point blank, are you pregnant? And the answer was, no, I'm not. And that led to some interesting discussions, it sounds like, over in the Force camp. Yeah. And That'd be a w- weird conversation to have. Uh, I don't know. As a dad, I guess I would probably... <laughs> dad! I'd probably float the question out there, but... Uh, but m- more, as, more as a team owner than a father. Well, yeah, uh, yeah but it sounds like Courtney put... John in his place, and John came out with a little. Uh, he told one of our reporters that, uh, you know, I, that's not my business anymore. You know, he's so yeah. he, he's been putting his place on that. But we, we knew Courtney wasn't going to be there. And then just uh, you know, three days before qualifying, we find out that Tony Schumacher, one, eight, one of the living legends, oh my of the gosh, sport. Eight, eight-time uh, champion in, in in top fuel, is not going to be in the field this week because he can't get a sponsor. Which well, how much does he need? Uh, Twenty exactly. thirty bucks. Well, because he was sponsored by the U.S. Army. Uh huh. And apparently the army's they're going out of business. They're going. They're, yeah, they're yeah. struggling. Their their budget probably got cut a little bit. Yeah. And, and they decided to cut. Well, their, their budgets don't don't get cut. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> well, I you think know, they got like a, maybe the guy who likes NHRA uh, yeah. he retired. <laughs> That's probably more. There like you go. That. So anyway, so Tony's uh, you know he's still looking for a sponsor, which. Uh, I don't know. To me, that's kind of a red flag or a yellow flag for the series. Saying, "Boy, if uh, your b- biggest winner out there right now, outside of John Force." can't find a sponsor how the rest of these guys find in sponsorships jimmy we can offer like a media sponsorship right like Ooh. a media partnership yeah absolutely that's worth we slap a couple stickers on there and they're good saying. to go yeah. yeah well mike did he have to pay for his own rap oh yeah that's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll send you <laughs> the file yeah well if you like you said tony is looking for a ride and force has a car why doesn't force just give him a car well force uh has got a second top fuel dragster running this weekend surprise oh, no. surprise yes Austin Proc. Jimmy Proc's kid. There you go. Jimmy Proc. Long time. Who's uh, that? He's a longtime tuner slash crew chief. chief. And uh, his son, 23 year old Austin Proc, is going to get his debut this weekend. So a little interested to see that. But it's kind of it's kind of neat to see, uh, you know, John Forrest, the funny car king, suddenly getting big time into the top fuel business. You know, Brittany won a championship for him here a couple years ago. And now he's got uh, two cars in this week. And I don't know. It's good stuff. But but again, I think the series. I uh, would rather see Tony Schumacher out there this week. Uh, you know, again, one of those living legends that he needs to be in a car opening day. But could you imagine a field without any DSR, Don Schumacher Racing, or John Force cars? There'd be like six cars in the top classes. There you go. That is half the field. But uh, So we're looking forward to see what goes on the, uh, this week at Pomona, and we'll come back You know, next podcast with a report from there. And uh, it should be a lot of fun. You know what's also fun? Uh-oh. Here, here it comes. We've been, we've been waiting for this one. Uh... Mike, okay, you have said some heinous, heinous, whoa, and vile heinous. things, Mike, about Alonzo on record, uh, <sighs> numerous times. right here uh, on this you, podcast. You've heard him, listeners. Hey, Fernando Alonso is the and, greatest driver on the planet. And how did we find that out, Mike? <laughs> we had to go to Daytona and we had to watch the Rolex very closely. 
We so would to, you say this was a pointless, uh, pointless n- no, that, exhibition? No, that, PR, uh, that was yeah. the biggest eye-opener weekend of my life. He, yeah. <laughs> he decimated. He I mean, he drove pretty good out He there. drove good on dry. He drove good in the in the puddles. Uh, I mean, in, in, through the lake, through the pond. From my understanding, his driving in the wet was Unmatched. significantly better than anyone else on that racetrack. I wish he would have got a chance to drive a little more. I mean, seriously, they yeah. They, yeah. they did way too many yellow laps for my taste. Uh, but we found out that that Daytona uh, road course out there doesn't drain very well. I think that's the last time that'll happen. They've got a year to figure that out and get some more drainage in some of those corners. But uh, drill some holes. They'll there'll be some holes drilled. Um, get me out there with a mop. There you go. But it was. But yeah, anybody who saw the hot dogs. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't exact. Well, and it was not the Rolex Twenty Four this year for the first time ever. Twenty three fifty, I think 50, it was. Yeah, or, yeah. And, and really, the, yeah, it was about the past the last seven hours of that was. was yeah, pretty, from uh, from about well, six seven in the morning till three, it was nothing. Well, I remember sitting out on the deck because um, I actually brought proper attire this year. Oh, you so weren't in the you weren't in your bathing suit just out yeah. there catching some rays well, on it. Well, but yeah. for for oh everyone who who may not know, the like the twenty four, it it started raining. Yeah, really that's what I'm out. saying. So I remember yeah. being out on the deck. Uh, thanks, Jimmy. I was getting. I just, makes, I just getting want to make that. sure. Um, What's Jimmy over like on the weather week? desk? Not all of our, not all of our, uh, you know, listeners may be, may have followed. Which is why. Nothing missing, Jimmy. Jimmy you need out. to make that helicopter, you know, weather helicopter. Jimmy, with the weather report. Yeah. So we had about six o'clock in the morning. Started raining, and I was standing outside, and I was like, man, looking at the the radar on my phone, and it was like, this is this is not going to get better. Um, I'd imagine they will try to dry the track off and bring them out uh, for a green flag lap. And if nothing happens, they'll keep going. And if something does happen, they'll probably have to stop the race because it was it was pretty hairy. And uh, sure enough, they brought the green flag out and did about a lap. And coming across the start finish, it's a big old pileup. Uh, I collected a bunch of cars, one of the Lamborghinis, one of the Porsches actually had one of the Acura prototypes kind of skidding across that big grassy area that says Daytona on it. And I was like, oh, man, they got to – that's it. They're going to call the race. You know, Alonso was, was leading at that point, or um, at least the Wayne Taylor 10 car was leading. It's like they're going to they're gonna call it, and uh, they did not. They just continued uh, trying to go green, briefly running green, and then going back to yellow, and then uh, it was kind of a, kind of a mess. But – I think the point is um, that Mike was wrong about <laughs> Fernando point. Alonso, wow. and I was right. Uh, in fact, I uh, and I didn't get the first pick. I picked third. I think um, picked uh, Wayne Taylor Racing in the ten car to win this race. And actually, there's one thing I can recommend as again, a, friend of the show, Wayne Taylor. Yeah, so if there's one thing I can recommend as if fan of racing and and really in general it's to bet on racing it's uh it's fun uh it's legal probably um especially in our position i think it's probably legal it's ethical yeah um and it's it it gives you a little bit of extra incentive a little bit of extra interest um and and unlike you know uh unlike a a football game for instance uh stick and ball stuff um sports ball you can everybody can everybody can kind of uh, go into the race with a possibility of winning. You know, you pick everybody picks one car well, to root for. Not, in F one, we would have trouble. Get, I wouldn't want the fourth pick in that. Direction. No, no, I'm talking about uh, sports car racing. As, right? as okay. a as a person that picked the Mazda, 
Well, yeah. IMSA, IMSA racing. IMSA racing. But I, uh, I, race, betting on racing is, is good in general. I, with Formula One, <laughs> I think it's good. obviously, it never, some different it never hurts considerations. The Big fans. Um, but anyway, um, man, I'll, I'll tell you, is, is at times boring as that race was uh, as a spectator. Um, watching, I'll never, ever forget watching Alonso drive that car through turn one in the rain. I mean, just how much quicker he was than seemingly everybody else in the field and um just watching him drive a, a prototype you know slow enough to have very little downforce on the throttle around a one inch or two inch deep puddle of, of water was incredible and, and i think i think what's really cool about um daytona is that sure he went to Mans, he's doing the wec for toyota but still like you could say oh well any schmuck gets in that yeah. toyota and wins and, and will win there were a bunch of other cadillacs in that field. same car yeah same drivers same car and yet he still stood i mean um kobayashi right yeah. also was very good um and the entire team but you know i think i was looking at some numbers of like the the leads that he would pull out yeah were just stunning when they when they um when they went to cool. yellow overnight or at six in the morning wayne taylor course as the leader of the race was advocating for oh yeah for calling it, Shut it as you do we're good but yeah uh, and i forgot the splits but they were substantially faster in the dry than anybody else and they were substantially i mean i, I think they were saying something like uh three seconds a lap faster in the dry uh which is pretty astonishing um in yeah. the uh and they were they you know they were probably faster than that in the what i like i said i haven't looked at the splits but um a really cool experience. Uh, but, and hats off to Cadillac. One, two, finish. I mean, yeah. that, that's awesome at the Rolex. Uh, those Acuras were, were super all, all night. Uh, you know, that, 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 the, the Acura that finished third with Rossi and Castro Nevis. It was very, very fast. I mean, and watching those guys and, dice. And Ricky Taylor, wow. At night. There was some great racing. Watching, yeah, watching the – I mean, it really was, you know, sh- shortened or whatever. It really was a fantastic race to watch, especially overnight. Um and I think this should uh, go as me as my retirement from gambling. Uh, this and the Super Bowl, uh, bet on Mazda. Did not do great. You had the overs in the Super Bowl too. I bet yeah. right. You were, you were looking for that high score. I was game. looking for the Rams overall. Yep. Um, uh, but I, I think like Mazda though, like that's it's such a kind of a sad thing because we know that that car is fast, right? Yeah. But it, it just can't last more than. What, six hours? Well, luckily, most of the races this year are, are under six hours. So. Yeah, we're, we're expecting. I think four, they're going to break through that for Mazda. Yeah, yeah. No, there, I, no there's a couple two-hour races. That they're going to be tough. The sprint races. Yeah, they they've got. I mean, that car was. I mean, it's a record. It's set a 26-year standing record at. Uh, right. Well, so it's fast, but it just it Mazda, still needs that. Win my heart back. Endurance. Yep. Um, but uh, awesome, awesome weekend of racing. Again. The point is, I was right and Mike was wrong about Alonso in that car. Um, and, and, and can I make a plug for the Rolex? I mean, if you have not been down there, that was that go. was my first Rolex. I've been to the Sebring race a few times. I've been to the Daytona 500. The Rolex is just different. So cool. I mean, it's so cool. The you know the crowds are big, but they're they're a lot more manageable than the 500. You can park, you can yeah. walk, you can you know you get close to the cars and the drivers. But the the, the atmosphere and the consistency of 24 hours of just fun. Uh, you know. I didn't know that was on my bucket list, but I think it was after I got out of there going. That was that was really cool, and I'm, I'm looking forward to going again. Yeah, I, 
I was super into it. Uh, Peter Hughes joined us for the second time. We had six guys down there. We had this it time. covered. We had that's that just goes to kind of our interest in in sports car race, uh, sports car racing right now. It's it's very very good right now. So if if you get the chance next year, go. If there's a if there's another uh, another uh, IMSA race in your area, uh, definitely definitely get to those. Um, so yeah, with that we will conclude the racing portion of today's show um, and move on to talk to our little boy Graham, little buddy. Uh, all right, so uh, motorsports is over. Um, Probably never talk about it again. Uh, I think racing is officially outlawed. Canceled. Yep, they canceled it. It's canceled, and that is the T, sis. Uh, but now we've welcomed uh, Graham Kozak hey. to uh, to the... Uh, your voice sounds a little husky today. What's yeah, going on? I don't on? know why. I don't know. It's, it's nice. Still, I'm going to blame it on the weather. Yeah, it's very nice. Um, Graham's going to talk a little bit about some, some old car stuff. We've got a Grand National Roadster show. We've got uh, Detroit Autorama coming up. Surround the bend, they uh, say. We got uh, another thing that slips my mind right now. Uh, but first, we did want to talk. Uh, we we wanted to give an in-depth review of the Alfa Romeo uh, Stelvio Quadrifoglio. As you know, not a huge crossover guy. Uh, now, I saw your notes on this. They were about a hundred pages long. A hundred pages. Are we going to read them? Yeah, I think. So buckle up. Um, we're going to do the the. Actually, I, I think probably summarize. I liked the car. It was fun. Uh, you know, obviously prefer the the Julia, but as far as crossovers go, I would say this is the most fun one I've driven uh, in my life. Um, okay. Which is something. Graham? Is that all we need? I think we're good there. Pretty good? Yeah. Yeah. I like driving it. Yeah. I still can't really explain why. Wesley? Um, but uh, I didn't drive it, but I wanted to. I'll tell you one thing. It does perfect 360 degree donuts. I mean, just like... Just like on a on a, on a spindle, basically, yeah, like yeah. you're just spinning around. Really, really good. Um, and we had actually we had our some of our sales team in from warmer climates, uh, where you don't get to go and par- pull into a parking lot and whip shitties. And um, what a great car for that for them. What an experience for them. Um, but anyway, I've got a bad car for doing that. I'll tell you about off air. Okay. Even though, even though I've already told you, it's a little bit of movie magic. Uh huh. Um, but. Uh, more importantly, the Roadster Show. We start with the Roadsters. The uh, Grand National Roadster Show. Yeah, yeah. Arguably the most important indoor car show outside of new cars. And as far as Roadster shows go, probably one of the grandest. And the, the, and the and, nationalist. And yeah. the most national. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Uh, Don't lean on that well, one. Well, probably some of the guys <laughs> yeah, there. It's all yeah. Fords, right? Yeah. Oh, uh, not, not quite all, but yeah. the vast majority. A lot of the guys there probably. Um, um, but it's. Yeah, Auto Week's Mark Vaughn was there to cover it, but unfortunately, he cannot be uh, here. He's en route to the Chicago Auto Show, so I have much fewer Oof. roadsters. Oof. Yeah, yeah, especially this time That's of year. A tough but draw for him. he uh, he did some great coverage. Um, you know, talking to people on the ground there, and again, we were we were watching it from the office here in Detroit. Um, I don't know. Um, do we want to dive into? Yeah, dive who, in, baby. What else won? we doing? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the big winner, who will be forever immortalized in the trophy, the big trophy, the big AMBR, which has every important or significant hot rod basically ever created. That one on it, which is how trophies work. Uh, the George Poteet had a thirty-six Ford built 
by Pinky's Ride Shop called the Three Penny Roadster, mm-hmm. which uh, it looks okay. Yeah, <laughs> he was the guy who won. He was he was the winner. He was a he he currently owns America's most beautiful roadster. So what what uh, tell me about this car? Well, first like the Poteet, uh he's a pretty accomplished uh, commissioner, builder, uh, racer. I mean, he you, has. He you has, could call him a patron of the hobby. Yeah, but he's run at Bonneville. He's won the Riddler Award, I believe. So this guy's not just a, a random guy, you know, who showed up with the car. Um, this was a serious build. I know in the in a previous episode, I can't remember off the top of my head which one we've talked about kind of what goes into making these cars. Yeah. Um, we talked about the Riddler winners, but I think the it should be noted the AMBR cars, it's like the Riddler is a step, a full step below AMBR in terms of smaller, smaller trophy, cubic dollars invested right. into the car. Yeah. So what are we talking about here, Wesley? Tell me about, tell me about what it takes to be seven figures. Poteet. Okay. To, to be, to be competitive, you need a million dollar car. And what else? Yeah. Tell me about this car. Okay. This oh. is an audio yeah. format. Yeah. It, well, like, you can look at that. No, no, no. So the car. Well, the, the thing about this car is it's obviously a modern a, a modern style inspired build, but it's got a strange lit because hot rods are trending to be more traditional, like in preserving the history of the, of the hobby. Mm-hmm. It's got, I mean, a small block Ford. It's a 36 Ford. It doesn't really sound like exactly groundbreaking in terms of the formula of the car but as an ambr car should it is chock full of details and the fit and finish is impeccable which is what it, where the money gets spent and how how you win it's not so much like oh you got a really cool engine and transmission and a bunch of trick stuff but it's put together poorly it's like a lot of subtlety put together in the car and the car is even like a weird grayish brown color which wouldn't be the choice of anyone building a competitive show car so i don't i don't know yeah, what, what, the the formula for this is so weird to me. Right, I and I, I think what what's interesting is that when I saw the pictures of that car that that Bond posted to uh, AutoWeek.com, mm-hmm. um, it it looked like something that wouldn't be out of place in Riddler Award. Yeah, contention where every single inch of sheet metal's been massaged in some way or, or hand built. Yeah, uh, again, the wheels are custom knockoffs but they're not really knockoffs they're like you use a weird special allen wrench type thing to to loose them just stuff like that where it's like every single thing has been reworked in some way yeah for reworking sake generally right and it was on display next to some definitely more traditional style uh rods i mean there there was a a group of guys who drove from the east coast in another roadster uh, i believe and just this is steve molbilt car yeah and uh yeah so there's some stuff that looks way more traditional obviously still has a huge amount of work that goes into it but you know a lot more subtle um so yeah it it was an interesting so wesley when you say it's weird what's weird about it what strikes what strikes you as weird about this car i mean it just doesn't have i mean it's obviously a beautiful car i should say that i mean it's a gorgeous car but it doesn't have that that pop that you want out of a show car it's more subtle without having like the tradition of traditional subtlety it's not like just painted black with miles and miles of deep and pristine sheet metal and paint. It's just like, I don't know, maybe I'm not explaining it well, but it's just out of, it seems out of place for an AMBR contender. It doesn't have all the pop and finesse that you'd want out of a car to catch the judge's eye. But what does that mean? What, what would you expect? Like if you want a, like a non-metallic finish, you want generally black to show how good your painter is and how good your body man is to show how perfect the car is. Whereas this brown collar, I mean, obviously it shows flaws. It would show flaws if there were any, but it doesn't have like, 
it's not it wouldn't be my first choice it doesn't have that checklist of like what an ambr car should be and what what would be some things on that checklist um obviously perfect fit and finish uh perfect paint all the weird hand form stuff we talked about like i imagine this car is mostly hand built despite it being labeled a 36 ford but there's a a formula generally if you want super high-end like uh, two years ago the ambr was a track roadster kind of built like the knee camp roadster with a arden headed arden head arden cylinder head equipped v860 ford which i think there's like five sets of v860 heads arden heads you want obscurity you want rarity and you want perfection whereas this car it's kind of like you could buy most of this stuff out of a catalog which is uh, theoretically obviously not this stuff it's all handmade but the the small block ford you can buy out of a ford catalog the tko transmission you can buy that literally have a trimmit catalog it's just it doesn't have to me not to undermine it but it doesn't have what i would expect out of the amb winning car especially now that traditional hot riding is like in vogue with the cars competing against with like Y block Fords and other rod ball engines. But there, there have been some pretty uh, distinctive, especially the past couple of years. It feels like they've been trying to go a little bit wider with what they award. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 2017, there was kind of a um, Packard esque, the Troy lad car. Yeah. Uh, it was this red, uh, again, roadster with a Packard grill. Didn't have a Packard engine. Um, weirdly, I think it had a Lincoln engine. Uh, but that was like a, you know, very hand-formed car, um, display of showmanship, you know, coach-building showmanship. Yeah. But it wasn't uh, It wasn't like what you'd think of as a traditional hot rod, if that makes yeah. sense. So maybe they're trying to... Shed away from know, that. Yeah, because uh, it would be very easy to find an extremely tasteful, um, tastefully obscure build and just give it to that every year. But, yeah. Uh, maybe they're trying to show the breadth of what is still going on. That could uh, be the case. In yeah. The, in the, in the custom and rod building, well, rod building world. So it's cool to see it was different. Um, but again, I, I would have expected to see that car in Detroit where again, Poteet has entered number yeah. of cars over the years. So it just, yeah, it seems more like a Riddler style car than a, a traditional AMBR contender. And obviously I'm wrong since it won. <laughs> uh, so in, in, <clears throat> in this world too, I know in certain other car shows that um, require kind of a high level of uh, sophistication, um, there's often a component, um, a political component. So, um, you know, you uh, you may have to spend a certain amount of money with a charity, perhaps, uh, or kind of uh, massage the right relationships to get uh, to get consideration for a best in show or for a a, uh, a winning car is is this world the same way or is this more of a, a pure meritocracy oh absolutely oh absolutely what i mean there's definitely a political element i wouldn't say that george won because he's like the patron saint of hot riding right now would you say that you but you wouldn't i say wouldn't that. say that. no i mean the car is really good but but this was the last uh i guess major award that he hasn't won yeah right and he's been doing this for a long time uh-huh. um so maybe maybe that was consideration. Yeah, maybe it weighed into the final judging because the car is again no slouch, but it's it's just it was just odd to me that it won. So you're you're alleging a conspiracy, I think. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't allege that. So but I definitely, message, definitely message boards it. are blowing up. We're gonna actually we'll get him on the podcast. Oh, no. to refute some of these. He's on uh, he's, he's actually online too right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's been listening in yeah. this whole time. Yeah, uh, uh, George, you're nice. 
so he'll he'll actually probably be at, at our rim so we could get him on the podcast to refute some of his uh Let's do that. Let's go ahead and I'll, uh, I'll see if I can track the executive him down. producer. Yeah, we'll get you, and he can listen to this episode. Oh and no! Can, what? Well, I mean, yeah. No. Okay. I, I okay. Think he should. He should be allowed to defend himself. That's fair. On the Out of Week podcast. Um, but George, if you're listening, the car is beautiful. He did a good work. Uh, Pinky's Rod Shot out of Nevada, I believe. Colorado. But, I think. Colorado. Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, same. Same. Same, but different. Uh, okay. So moving on, uh, let's preview a little bit of Autorama stuff. Uh, this is one near and dear to our hearts obviously and will be the the last big uh car show winter car show standing in, here in the motor city uh after this year uh with the detroit auto show going away what are we looking forward to autorama wise um is that is that next weekend no it's uh the first weekend in march so okay. like the march first through third th- yeah first through third yeah um obviously following ambr is hard but that's been detroit's life in the indoor car show world, the ISCA world. Uh, but we don't know anything really in terms of the Riddler cars, which obviously you can't know until the day of moving. It's unknowable. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. the, the, the people knowing the people that know that they're building the cars know that at least that one car is going to enter. Yeah. Other than that, it's you basically don't have any sources on the inside there. Not, no, actually I think I do, but I could reach out. Yeah. That'd be a good idea. To different show promoters. I don't, yeah. we'll, we'll see. Um, but, but what are we excited about here in auto week land? I look forward to what's known as the Autorama extreme, uh, which is the basement, uh-huh. which is chuck full of traditional More hot extreme. Um, and mostly if you've been following AutoWeek.com, uh, I've been following a little build by my buddy, Scott, who's putting together a little, a uh, little T roadster, a little modified roadster getting ready for trog and he's trying to thrash it together before detroit how's and, it going uh not well okay <laughs> well he's, he's already changed directions in a pretty big way it was going to be an a right? well a year ago yeah it was going to be an a coupe and he set it up on a rails and was going to be a still radical car and then right around christmas he just said no i'm going to use a t so pretty much he, I know he's he a, turned a from an a on a rails to a t on a cost so pretty much not even chassis. the same car no, at just, all just the flathead was left over and i think the the banjo and the the concept of moving the engine back and making it a somewhat reasonable race car. So you've been following this build. You've got two posts up as a, you know at the moment. Yeah. Um, they're headlined inside the thrash. So if you look that up, um, I think one of the things that I don't know if we've touched on it before, but some of the beloved Auto Week commenters were saying, you know, what's with this artificial deadline? Why why do guys always do this where they set up a you know, I have to get this thing done by Autorama. And then it creates yeah. all this tension and unnecessary drama and whatever. And you had a good explanation for, you know, why, why, what is the point of this thrash thing? Yeah. Uh, cars would never get done otherwise. Uh, yeah, I can, uh, I can tell you why you do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I, I would, as a kid, we'd, I might, when my dad was putting together cars, it'd be like the weekend before good guys, India or whatever, the first, the kickoff show of the summer. And it'd be like, all right, dad just got off work at five or seven or whatever. He's going to be in the garage until two in the morning. I'm going to be hanging out with him. Mm-hmm. And it, this makes no sense. We're going to be doing that until Thursday. Just because instead of working, he uh, was a person. And now he has to get his car together so he can go hang out and do car stuff. And the Autorama, as a winter show, it's like a good excuse to uh, get your cars together before the first real big car show or drag race. And uh, have your formula worked out so you don't have to thrash on it in spring when you could be enjoying your car. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you think his chances of getting this thing? Ooh, my boy. Going, going when it's time to yeah. change. When, uh, what are the odds of him getting this thing done? Uh, I mean, he's, ooh, he's pretty, he's, 
pretty he's Take a quick builder bets on it. i all right i bet five dollar hairs uh-huh five american currencies that he will that the car the car will definitely be at autorama there's no question under its own power Ooh. that is that's the question okay. i say i say yes see the i car. think i think he'll get it done okay but so it, you got two you got five five yep uh in favor and i'm gonna obviously take the take, take the under take the he will not uh he will show up at autorama the car the car will not be running and driving now, obviously, the car will not be finished, finished by any stretch of the imagination because there's no way. Well, is, is a hot rod ever finished, Wesley? Yeah, some the Poteet's car is definitely <laughs> finished. <laughs> he will never spend a dollar changing that thing. Yeah. But uh, the the end goal for this car is a trog, a race a gentleman race car, which mm-hmm. it'll be fluffed up before then for sure. But I think I think I'll I'll take that bet. I'll so I okay. So I got five on. So I I could stand to lose ten dollars. Ten dollars. Um. I don't know how betting works, so we'll have to. Yeah, who's the office uh, bookie? I think Wesley. that's me. It's Wesley. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so we'll shake on that. Uh, but uh, besides Scott's car, there's going to be hundreds of traditional hot rods in that basement and on the uh, on the main floor generally. So that's pretty much where you hang out, right? You don't, you don't even go look at the other stuff. It's just like uh, you sometimes don't even care about. That's the, where the, the award winners. That's where, like the peanuts and stuff yeah. are generally. So I do go up to get like, yeah. soda, so beer, beer, peanuts. Down there yeah, usually. yeah. Um, that's one. So if if that's uh, if that's of interest to uh, to Auto Week readers, and it should be, and it should be, um, get in touch and, and come see us. We'll be there all week. I think Wesley said he promised we could do a live podcast recording. I'm going to say that right now on the air so that he has to uh, he has to um, get that set up. So we're going to okay. move all of our equipment over there at some point and go. Live, live from the floor at Detroit Autorama. Uh, we'll have to get that approved by someone, I'd imagine. Can we record in one of, in somebody's car? That'd be cool. I mean, we can. Wesley, we can. It. We can do. Promise it right now. We can do anything. Prom- yeah, there we Actually, go. Uh, well, I'm gonna steal some automotive news stuff, so I think we could do anything. I love it. Um, cool. So we'll be live from Autorama. What else do we have to talk about today before we wrap up? Is that it? Is that I all we th- got? I think that's uh kind of all we got you know you got a meeting you gotta get ready yeah, for we got another damn um, meetings. yeah uh, i'm going to hawaii tomorrow okay. so that, no one that's cool that's cool that's all i got congrats going. on that um you're going to summit aren't you this week oh yeah going to summit oh. racing friday uh i've actually i was weird because i was looking at the uh pictures on the website and i've been there before um makes sense i've been in the summit racing headquarters before I do not remember at all what the circumstances were, <laughs> but I looking at, I was like, yep, I definitely uh, know my way around that place. So um, I'm going back. Hopefully, I don't know what this Ling is about, up. but hopefully I will end up with some uh, some free go fast stuff. Right. That's what they're probably doing. They're like, hey, we want to give you an LS3 for the Lada. We want to give you some. Uh, Wait, Lada? The race car. Yeah. We're bringing it back. Yeah, we're bringing it back. Um, that's another story. Um, so we will we will see about that. Until uh, episode forty eight. Uh, thank you again for listening. Please uh, like and subscribe and uh, give us the old ratings on the five thing. stars. Ooh, here's another thing you can do. No, tell your friends. Tell your friends about this podcast. Um, tell them about the long explanation of the Roadster Show. 
Um, it can get longer if you want to yeah. do it over a couple of beers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I've got some I've got some uh, political points that I want to knock out yeah. about this car show. Well, Wesley wants to tell you who's cheating and uh, who's who's greasing the palms, but or whose palms should have been greased. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but we'll cover that in forty eight.